0: Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. As we close out a week of omens. There was Friday the 13th and in October, Friday the 13th, for good or ill measure. I look at such unlucky days as days and nights of freedom and liberty, if it's supposed to be bad luck. And that's what everybody's expecting. Then look for the good luck is out there being ignored due to prejudice. I spent that day up on the holy mountain in the sacred grove and completed the evening with a good dinner and a better book on Mono Lake. And then a night drive down the eastern spine of California, and then it was time for the partial eclipse. An eclipse always marks a time of change, the churning of events. On a clear day in the western deserts, when the sun is semi-obscured, there's a strange golden glow and a hush over the land. Something like the magic light of golden hour, but from an unexpected direction. Above and towards the east, for it was still the morning time. Welcome to Desert Oracle Radio. One thing people like to do when they're given some liberties, or when they take the liberty that's usually there for the taking, if anybody wants it bad enough, is to go on a long walk. A special kind of walk that really takes you out of the day-to-day In age, nobody can take a walk without presenting a list of reasons why it's acceptable and allowed to take a walk. Even Henry David Thoreau, 180 years ago, felt the need to let his audience know that every time he takes a stroll... And it's a bold, philosophical statement, and not just to get out of the house for a couple of hours. Get away from his mother when she lingered too long. One of the secrets of Thoreau's time on Walden Pond was that his mother would bring him lunch. Right there where he was living in the supposed wilderness. At his little philosopher's cabin, a few minutes walk from the agricultural and village and family society all around him. Here's something from the lecture and the article that became his short book called On Walking. We should go forth on the shortest walk perchance in the spirit of undying adventure, never to return. Prepared to send back our embalmed hearts only as relics to our desolate kingdoms. If you are ready to leave father and mother and brother and sister and wife and child and friends and never see them again... If you have paid your debts and made your will and settled all your affairs and are a free man, then you are ready for a walk. Henry David Thoreau. It's a great little book. I should read some more of that on this radio program. Especially because it's long of copyright. I want to go for a walk by myself and maybe die there. Now there's an honest sentiment. But it's not enough for the last days of this busybody existence of the early 21st century. You need to have a trekking backpack full of crises. Failures of marriage, various other relationships, career troubles, maybe some drug addiction, seasonal allergies and it also helps to be a writer who needs a gimmick to hang a book upon. Cheryl Strayed wrote a 350-page explanation of why she took a walk from the Mojave Desert to wherever the Pacific Crest Trail finishes up. Portland? Portland? And it was a big success a decade ago. Her book was called Wild, and it was loved by the wealthy tastemakers from Oprah Winfrey to Reese Witherspoon, both big fans of gritty backwoods tales by heroin addicts. People unaccustomed to just walking out the door and never coming back often find an external reason to justify just strolling off the job of being a worker bee producer of goods or services and the pointless grind of the global economy or a caretaker or whatever it is that locks you down. One guy wore an enormous sweat-stained anime bear costume and walked around in the summertime because he wanted to be featured in people's TikTok videos. Some people come up with a very good cause that they believe will attract media coverage and maybe an endorsement deal. And then if you are one of the people who still watches the television news, you might hear the announcer say something like, Orange County resident Gleason Jones is pushing a children's wagon full of plastic garbage across the Southland to bring attention to the plight of the ocean. Or maybe they're walking to remember our POWs in Vietnam, or a strange new disease that nearly killed them, or whatever it is. A book deal is the best reason, of course. Ask Bill Bryson. That's how I managed to escape my old prison existence for a few months back in the year 2009, walking up the coast of California. That was enough for a book contract in those days. But it turns out the hard part is writing a good book when you get back. In ages past, Nearly everybody on the planet had a ready-made reason to engage in a festive or ceremonial long walk at some point in their lives. Aboriginal Australians have their famous walkabout, a spiritually charged rite of passage for young men that has become a whole industry of leisure walk excursions for anyone who happens to be in Australia for a few weeks. But in the original Walkabout, we see something of our primal form as free people traveling the lands by foot, in a state of near-constant spiritual intoxication, alive to everything, from the beauty of the world to the struggle to stay alive. Life and death, visible and meaningful, seen and felt and heard and experienced. A sacred walk with a set goal and a point of return that really hits the sweet spot. The religious pilgrimage is the global evolution of the old nomadic existence, replicating something of our prehistoric movements across regions and seasons. For hunting and fishing, collecting the good nuts and berries that ripen in this place earlier than that. The long reeds that are just right for baskets the pigments for the cave paintings of our spirit companions, and those special places on mountaintops and seashores and within quiet forests where we contemplate the great mysteries. People still do this today in India, in Asia, in Europe, ritual long walks to this or that religious shrine, Buddhist or Hindu or Shinto or Catholic or uh, traces of Dionysian cult procession visible even today in the Paris cemetery where Jim Morrison was buried a half century ago. In the 1300s, Geoffrey uh, Chaucer wrote his famous tales about the variety of society taking part in the religious pilgrimages of the Middle Ages. Wealthy widows, knights and squires, the ecclesiastical professions, Merchants and lawyers and sailors and farmers and tradesmen, monks and nuns and sleazy friars. All living profane lives in an alcoholic haze. And all dedicated to the art of storytelling, the fable, the yarn. All except that dullard parson who nearly ruins the book, just skip that part is not even in verse it has no flow at all and it goes on forever but the prologue rolls along pretty nicely when april with his showers sweet with fruit the drought of march has pierced unto the root and bathed each vein with liquor that has power to generate therein and sire the flower. When Zephyr also has with his sweet breath quickened again in every holt and heath The tender shoots and buds and the young sun. Into the ram one half his course has run. And many little birds make melody. That sleep through all the night with open eye. So nature pricks them on to ramp and rage. Then do folk long to go on pilgrimage. And palmers to go seeking out strange strands. To distant shrines well known in sundry lands. And specially from every shire's end Of England they'd a canterbury wind The holy blessed martyr there to seek Who helped them when they lay so ill and weak From Chaucer's Book of Dirty Stories, The Canterbury Tales. As his motley crew of pilgrims makes clear, going on pilgrimage did not require a clean mind or a purified soul. Maybe you got that on the way back. The tales they told, the good ones anyway, are tales of humans and all their human forms. Vulgar and amusing, dark and twisted. Inspired by love, inspired by hate. Drunk and drunker. The pilgrimage is intended, as the poet says in the prologue, for those seeking favor from the spirit of the shrine. The martyr Thomas Beckett, in this narrative... The knight has returned from a military campaign against the Muslims. The wife of Bath has been on many pilgrimages all over Europe and loves the traveling life, loves the festivals and vigils and cathedrals. And having married five times at this point, the lady whose name is given as Alison in the tales is one who loves the married life too especially the interludes between husbands. Let's quote the wife of Bath. And thus they live unto their lives end in perfect joy and Jesus Christ us send husbands meek, young and fresh in bed and grace to outlive them whom we wed. Anikai, pray Jesus, shorten their lives that will not be governed by their wives and old and angry misers of dispense. God send them soon, the very pestilence. Now put yourself back in an even earlier time. Let's go back. 2,500, 2,600 years ago, to the world of the ancient Mediterranean, but much is familiar to you, bloody wars, culture wars, class wars, we got all that, shocking uprisings, price gouging, profit taking, philosophers sentenced to death or exile, government shutdowns, colonization, market exploitation. All politicians in this realm are complete tyrants too, at least according to their opponents. You can't even believe that Herodotus, I've heard he's been engaged in some sort of social media misinformation, disinformation. I heard he was involved with half the palace coups he wrote about. He's been amplifying and platforming a disreputable storyteller down at the local temple. It's like he actually believes in all these gods and mysteries and religions. Although, to be fair, he usually says he doesn't believe the wilder stories. But much is different in this Greece of 26 centuries ago, too. The landscape, even the agricultural and urban landscape, is beautiful. Longhorn cattle grazing in the distance. The gentle rows of olive groves and vineyards. Not a corporate logo upon plastic wrapper or poorly fitting t-shirt to be seen. Your pilgrimage heads for the mountains for the very center of the world, according to no less an authority than Zeus himself. You are on a pilgrimage people have made for millennia to the Oracle of Apollo at Delphi, the most famous place in the whole classical world. Why do you come to the Oracle, to this ancient temple first dedicated to Gaia and later claimed by Apollo? For the pilgrimage, of course, the delightful 10-mile walk to the temple complex from the port. Your fellow human beings here and there, headed for the same beautiful perch in the mountains. For the experience, one of those things everyone should do at least once. But mostly for the questions you would ask of the gods. Ask of the Pythia and her priests. On your final approach, you would see the famed Maxims of Delphi cut into the very columns and temples. Know thyself. Nothing too much. And an oath brings trouble. Something like that. There are many translations because the ancient Greek is tough for us. Beware of making pledges, calamity follows an oath, etc. Don't make an oath without thinking it through. Which is easier if you know yourself, and if you practice moderation in life. It is said that many pilgrims to Delphi, upon contemplation of that third maxim, would decide against marriage, or maybe shipping out to a new colony, or starting a business with another, or especially making public oaths that you're unlikely to keep, or be able to keep. People are still arguing about the third maxim, which is why we mostly only hear about the first two, know thyself, and nothing too much. A modern equivalent might be scorning the loose usage of a phrase like, I swear to God, By Jove, a century or two ago, in Jesus' name, etc. Best not to do any of that. Even, or especially, when you commune with the gods and spirits in private. Careful what you promise in a moment of religious intoxication. It's the root cause of Catholic guilt and why born-agains and Mormons are always getting in trouble with sex or whatever. From a pledge comes folly. That's why I don't say that pledge of allegiance. And yet I stand up, put my hands sort of lightly over my ribs or my liver so I don't draw any attention to myself. And if I notice any censors or scolds glancing in my direction, I'll even move my lips. Probably to some Dr. Seuss rhyme bouncing around in my head at that moment, like, Walk, walk, we like to walk. Talk, talk, we like to talk. Avoid taking an oath, and you might avoid catastrophe. Everything in moderation. Take your pilgrimage and conduct yourself with dignity. And without all the weeping and moaning and praying and etc. Hoping somebody might notice how pious you are. How into it. That sort of unwanted performance has been earning scorn from the sages for thousands of years now. Jesus of Galilee was such a sage, and he had this to say about the melodramatic performative stuff. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 6 Make your offering, light your candles, take your walk about, commune with the saints and the sacred, and don't make a spectacle of yourself. again and luckily this is a continuing series of radio programs and they all go together more or less so we will deal more with the pilgrimage and delphi another time especially the part about the joys of festivals and rituals minus the dreary rule books and religious wars that have define such practices for too much of our past. From Amboy to and across the great Mojave wilderness, this is Desert Oracle Radio with musical soundscapes by Red Blue Black Silver. And I'm your Desert Oracle, Ken Lane. Friday, October 20th, it's Desert Oracle Radio Live at Hakumba Hot Springs. That's an hour east of San Diego when the show will take place within the supernaturally charged old ruins of the Hakumba Hot Springs bathhouse. Go to Hakumba.com and click Happenings Friday night, October 20. Aim to get there by or before dark, 7 p.m. It's a long, twisty road, and it always takes longer than you remember. And then on Sunday, October 29th, Halloween weekend, I'm doing the first old-fashioned Desert Oracle Campfire Stories in Yucca Valley at our local public house, The Tiny Pony. This will happen out back with a campfire and everything. Sunday, October 29th. 8pm, but get there early if you want a seat. I imagine it will be a good crowd. We haven't done this in the high desert for years. At both events I will have my big leather satchel full of rare hardcover Desert Oracle books, various back issues of the magazine including the most recent, number 10, black and yellow vinyl stickers of the radio show logo, so bring some cash, a purse full of gold coins. And I'll trade you for books and etc., and I'll sign the things as well. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.